I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI Podcast channel. I'm your host, as ever, Guy Drinkle, and joining me is my usual partner in crime, Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. And this show we originally had planned was going to be something else. Then you did the news, and then we realised we're not going to be able to fit everything in, so it's probably going to be a news show. Um, So it looks like you'll be taking lead on this one a bit more, Carl, but I mean, the first news story is something I imagine both of us have been looking forward to for quite a while, actually. Yes, certainly. I mean, the, this game, it's it's been a while in the works, and we've had a lot of false starts with it, but it's it's finally confirmed. And uh, our first story, without further ado, Borderlands 3 trailer released, confirming the game of PAX East. And this comes from Tamor Hussain over at GameSpot. And Tamor writes, following countless teases and years of suggestions that it was in the works, Gearbox Software has officially confirmed Borderlands 3 as part of what it is calling the Year of Borderlands. The third mainline game in the series was revealed at the developer's PAX East panel. Although the reveal was plagued by technical issues, we did ultimately see the debut Borderlands 3 trailer. We did not, however, get a release date, although more details are coming on April 3rd. We don't know exactly what to expect, but the studio says the details will show up on Borderlands.com. The year of Borderlands would also give fans of the series the opportunity to play a Game of the Year version of the first Borderlands, complete with new weapons and other improvements. Additionally, the Borderlands Handsome Collection is getting graphical improvements by the way of a free Ultra HD texture pack. This will also be available for Borderlands the pre-sequel and Borderlands 2 on PC. Finally, all Borderlands 2's DLC will be added to Borderlands 2 for PlayStation VR this summer. Other news out of Gearbox's panel included a trailer for Risk of Rain 2, which is now out in Steam Early Access, as well as a trailer for Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland's new game, Trover Saves the Universe, and the announcement of Bulletstorm for Nintendo Switch. And you can read Tamor's full story over on GameSpot, which includes a 
kind of sum up of the trailer. Uh, so if you haven't watched it or, or can't watch it, I, I, I recommend you go over and read uh, Tamor's full story there. Um, so yeah, Borderlands 3, finally legit after, I mean, it's been seven years since Borderlands 2. A lot of people don't really count the pre-sequel as it was a, a little watered down. So um, all I can really say is is finally, I mean, what do you think, Guy? Oh, I mean, Borderlands, it's one of them games, it's never going to win Game of the Year, but in terms of fun factor, there's not much that comes close to a Borderlands game, is there? And the fact that the third one, I know we've only got, no, not a basic trailer, but we've got a, a decent trailer, I suppose, and obviously they're going to show more on the 3rd of April. Um, but just, just going off the trailer, it looks like everything's going to be a bit more grander, and... Um, uh, what I what I noticed and what's sticking in my memory because I I watched it last night. I should have watched it just before the show, but when I watched it last night, um, the fact that they've introduced kind of bigger, more grand cities by the looks of it, because um, in 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 the usual Borderlands games, it's got like a little town, pretty much you just hang out with claptrap. But if 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 it is what's alluding to, if there's like a huge city that that in that's um going to interest me big time i mean is there anything you noticed out of the trailer that grabbed you yeah i mean i i've seen the trailer get a bit of stick some people have criticized that it doesn't you know it's a, obviously they we don't know yet if the game doesn't feature any new features compared to the previous titles because we don't have much details but mm. people are criticizing the fact that the trailer simply doesn't highlight any of these new features but for me i mean i i had no issues with it i mean i thought it looks you know it's got that borderlands trademark art style but like souped up to, to what you'd expect on on ps4 and xbox one and and of course modern pcs you know it, it's it's got the characters a lot of the characters from the previous games we've seen lilith and brick from the first game pop up claptrap of course um maya i think is her name from the second game popped up um something i loved which was reese from tales from the borderlands made an appearance because you know i, I like i mean that's arguably well it's not an actual borderlands game mm. it's so good like it's hilarious i recommend anyone who hasn't played it it's uh next to the walking dead it's it's probably the best telltale game easily like it's it's brilliant so i was uh, for me as a, as a fan of that game it was cool to see him pop up um you know we've seen lots of as you you alluded to like the diversity of the the kind of the areas that you go to because like borderlands one was very samesy you know everywhere mm -hmm. kind of looked the Definitely. same <laughs> and it, it got a bit drab whereas i think borderlands 2 to the credit sort of diversified the region's you know, around Pandora somewhat, but it's limited in that it's set on Pandora. Whereas, of course, as at the end of anyone who's completed Borderlands 2, spoilers, uh, you, you see that there's vaults on various worlds. And I, I think that the trailer mentions multiple worlds. And I, I think that cycling through the locations, it looks like it definitely takes part or takes place rather in, in multiple worlds. And, and that's exciting to, to to break up the, the monotony of, of going around Rapture over and over again and encountering the same sort of, you know, racks and skags over and over again. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting to me, like that, that it's taken place on, on multiple areas and we'll get to explore kind of, kind of more quirky worlds like Pandora. 
And, you know, uh, it, it for me, it just brought everything I, I would have wanted from a Borderlands. Of course, I want there to be new features. And I think ultimately there'll have to be, especially after a seven year gap or else, you know, you're you're going to risk doing like look at Crackdown 3 recently. We, we discussed it on, on our last show that it got panned somewhat because it's it just feels like it's Crackdown 2.1, you know, and, and we don't want Borderlands 2.1 even if it comes with shiny new graphics. So I'm sure there will be new things and, and I'm excited to see what, what they reveal on on April 3rd. Yeah, and just to, to kind of speculate, is there anything you think slash want it in Borderlands 3? I mean, is, is the mad shit split-screen multiplayer game going to be the same or do you think, I don't know, a bit more Destiny-ish or anything like that? Or do you think it'll keep to the original DNA of just being mad as hell. I think it'll definitely keep to, to, to that because that's that's what's made Borderlands stand out from from a crowd, you know, of, of kind of first person shooter games in, in that it's um it was batshit crazy and, and there was it was funny, you know, that the, there's a lot of comedy in the in the Borderlands games and I think they'll definitely stick to, to that DNA, but you know, in, in terms of what I'd like to see, I mean, I'd like it to be proper open world. I, I don't want, mm. like, loading screens between areas. You know, I just wanted. I know there's going to be separate worlds. And if, okay, if you're traveling from world to world, you're going to expect a loading screen. But upon each world, I want it to, to be proper open world and, and not have, like, kind of the immersion broken up by these kind of loading screens. Um, I mean, they're not slow loading screens, but they're, they're loading screens nonetheless. Um, obviously, I just want more, you know, obviously we know there's over a billion guns in the game, so I'm not going to say quite guns, but maybe more different vehicles, if, if maybe we could get like, maybe we could get in a buzzard or, or something like that, like and fly around, especially if it mm. is proper open world, that'd be fun. Um, I mean, a, a little more diversity to the, to the missions, um, you know, a little, little less fetch questy and, and a bit more kind of depth to them uh, i think there's been so many open world games recently that like the witcher 3 and things that have have shown how diverse quests could be and i think you know as much as i'm not i'm not expecting borderlands 3 to be the witcher 3 i still think you can take a leaf out of their book and and add a bit more depth to your your quests and your side quests um but i mean i'm not expecting borderlands 3 to, to reinvent the wheel they, they don't it doesn't need to you know but borderlands 1 and 2 are both great games um so th- they don't need wholesale changes but they, they just need to freshen things up a bit and i'm i'm hopeful that they they will do that and i'm glad i mean randy pitchford kind of noted that people were speculating about what kind of game it was going to be and that it could be like battle royale and kind of making a joke of it and while i never expected borderlands to be battle royale there was that question of games as a service because borderlands is that like the looter shooter kind of co-op it is kind of the forerunner to games like destiny and anthem as as you touched upon and there was a question like will it be more like those games and i'm I'm glad it doesn't seem it's going to be that way because we have enough of those as as far as i'm concerned i mean what do you want to see in in borderlands 3 um borderlands 1 and 2 turned up to 11 hey that's pretty much what i want i mean yeah i don't want it to go down the same route as um destiny division anthem um it just, just i think that is really an oversaturated market at the minute, and uh, well, 
I know, I know Destiny 2 isn't the same as Destiny 1, but I think you're not really going to top Destiny at, at its own game, seemingly. And as we've mentioned, Borderlands is seen as a great game because of the fucking madness. And if you kind of make it a Destiny clone, which some games seem to become, it's not it's not going to stand out. So, yeah, I just kind of want... I just want multiplayer fun, batshit crazy... Um, Tiny Tina blowing shit up again. That that's what I want. That <laughs> yeah, I, I I do I do agree with everything you said there. Actually, on on in terms of kind of updating it to next gen because it's just um you need that extra depth in in the side shit. I mean the the main story of um of Borderlands games has always been fine apart from the <laughs> the final boss of Borderlands one, which I'm sure you remember was terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, but um out yeah the side missions were very. Um, rinse and repeat type thing and it, it, to bring it next gen and possibly onto the um, next next gen um, which I imagine it will do similarly Borderlands 2 um, it, it needs to have a bit more depth in, in the side stuff but it, it looks like they've got a, a huge cast of characters which obviously they've built on from the two previous games and I haven't played um, the Telltale one or the pre-sequel yet but if they're adding more cast members I'm sure you can add stuff and well more claptrap, the better, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, very much so. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still holding out hope that a uh, loader bot from um, Tales from the Borderlands and making an appearance. You, I, I didn't know you hadn't played that. Definitely, guy. That, that, that's got to be your homework from, from today's show. Make sure to play Tales from the Borderlands because it's, it's fantastic. It just, it's like, it's the humor from Borderlands turned, turned up a notch. Like it's just, it's brilliant. Um. But yeah, no, I, I definitely echo echo what you said there. Like Borderlands one and two turned up to to eleven is is certainly uh, the best way to describe what I want from from Borderlands three as well. Um, on actually speaking of Borderlands one and two, I, I thought it was like side note on the the other announcements as far as the year of Borderlands goes. I mean, um, when I think that the handsome collection, you know, was a great little collection when it was released but you know there was criticism lobby that it that it didn't really up the graphics so it's good that they're finally doing that with, with bringing kind of a, an ultra hd texture pack for for free next week and then also another criticism of it was not including the original borderlands and although i mean they said afterwards oh well if the handsome collection sells well we might release borderlands one in the future for for modern consoles but and you could say kind of well if you'd included them, then we'd have been getting them all for 50 quid or whatever it was at the time. But now we have to pay like whatever amount. I'm, I don't think Borderlands is going to be a, you know, a 40 pound game on Amazon. It's, it's probably going to be kind of a 25, 30 mm. max. But even so, it's a, it's a shame it wasn't included originally. But at the same time, at least for the people who want it, they're, they're going to get it and it's going to come with, with like ultra HD visuals as well. So uh, that's nice that, you know, kind of all the Borderlands games will be playable on your PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Um, nice to have them all in the same place. I was surprised though that um, Borderlands 1, a uh, Game of the Year edition and the Handsome Collection weren't announced for Switch. I mean, did, did that surprise you at all? Um... Kinda. I mean, it's just it's strange because obviously Switch, it is it is kind of getting more and more mainstream games. But I think bringing a game like um, 
Borderlands 2 to switch it, it'd be, it'd be kind of tough, I suppose, because I think the fact that Borderlands is based so much on multiplayer, it, it might be tough, and they might have had to have done a proper watered-down version, so maybe, maybe they're still trying to perfect it rather than um, release that watered-down version, I suppose. But um, I suppose they might wait for Switch to develop the multiplayer side of their thing, because obviously Switch online i can't even remember what the hell it's called um it, it's still quite young young in its um inception isn't it really so may, maybe they're trying to wait for nintendo to get a proper on uh, multiplayer service ready because borderlands as i'm sure you'd agree is is double the game when you're playing with mates isn't it yeah definitely i mean it's it's good it could be a bit I mean, I've definitely played my fair share of errors, especially with Borderlands One and Solo. But it it is it's best when you you have a, a group, and the and the more the merrier, really. And um, so I get that's a good point you you make about the online. Obviously, though, they're they're not ignoring the Switch. Obviously, with the announcement of Bulletstorm for Nintendo Switch. So as you said, you know we could still be that borderlands these games not borderlands 3 obviously that's not going to run on a switch but the 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 earlier games it could still be on the card for them to come to the switch maybe that'll be a little booby prize for nintendo switch owners in the fall when they're they're not getting borderlands 3 but you know might be well you can have borderlands 1 2 in the pre-sequel on on your console um that that'd be nice to to see but i suppose we'll have to just um keep watch on that one um but i'm sure you know next week's show we'll have a lot more borderlands 3 to discuss after the, the april 3rd mm. announcement um so I, I suppose we'll we'll move on to the second story of many and our second story is breath of the wild co-developer staffing up for new zelda and this comes from tom phillips over at eurogamer and tom Wright. xenoblade developer monolith soft has begun recruiting staff to work on a new zelda game while monolith's headquarters are in tokyo the company's kyoto team has become known for its work as a nintendo support studio and is closely allied with the zelda series in fact monolith has acted as co-developer for the last three major zelda releases 2011 skyward sword 2013's a link between worlds and 2017's breath of the wild on breath of the wild monolith's focus was helping create some of the game's vast landscape for this new untitled zelda party project rather it seems the developer will be taking on an even larger role job vacancies list spots for artists modeling animation and effects programmers character control environmental maintenance system and framework programmers and planners actions level designers quests one design role is listed as a designer for main character alongside other jobs for a concept artist, character modeler, map modeler, in-game animator, and more. Nintendo has noted Monolith Soft's role as co-developer before, but this open recruitment drive is unprecedented. As is the casual confirmation, unsurprising as it may be, the next major Zelda game is in the works. Fans have noted with curiosity the artwork on Monolith's Zelda job page includes grainy versions of the Hyrule Crest with the symbols of its three goddesses, Din, Nehru and Faror embedded within it. Another image mysteriously includes the gate of time used within Skyward Sword to zip between time periods. And you can read Tom's full story over on Eurogamer. So, yeah, <laughs> a follow-up to, to Breath of the Wild. I, I 
I think after how well that game done, this was inevitable. But to be openly seeing something on it when Nintendo tend to take their time with these games and, and keep their cards close to their chest until they're ready to reveal their hand, it's kind of surprising that Monolith are being able to openly advertise for these roles, wouldn't you say, Guy? Yeah, I mean, it's... Nintendo's one of them companies that keeps everything close to the chest, really, un- until it's ready. I mean, Pokemon, you, you kind of hear murmurings, but you don't really hear anything till it's actually released. Um, I mean, we've been expecting Metroid, and then that got cancelled, and re- I think it restarted and stuff like that. And um, I'm not one to keep too up to date too much with them. Um, Nintendo stuff, but I can't remember any murmurings about Zelda Breath of the Wild originally. Um, and yeah, and well, Mario, I think you can just assume there's going to be one every year. <laughs> um, but not, yeah, it's, I think it's just the, um, the expected actions, really, because Breath of the Wild, uh, def, I think it won game of the year, didn't it? Yeah, it must have. It did, yeah. yeah. And, um, I imagine that was a big step for Nintendo because, uh, especially in this next gen when you've got um, PlayStation pretty much just making awesome exclusives every year and and for Nintendo to just smash it straight away with their first open world um, proper proper big game exclusive and just smash it and um, Mario Odyssey did well as well um, it's it's just it's just what they've got they've got to build on this and and um, I think Nintendo will. I mean, they're not. They're not one to. Uh, they're not one to underutilize a, a franchise. Let's say, but um, yeah. I mean, I haven't played. Bre- I have Breath of the Wild. I haven't played it yet. I, I, my Switch is. Um, it's 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 on a bit of hiatus at the minute with all the division and all that just coming out. But I'll, I'll get round to it during the summer, I imagine. But um, yeah, I mean, have you have you tried Breath of the Wild yet? No, actually, I haven't picked it up for the Switch yet. I actually have the Wii U version. Mm. I bought it on release and then never got around to playing <laughs> it. Like most of my Wii U library, actually. Um, but, I mean, I, I it is definitely on my playlist, similarly to yourself. I mean, I like the Zelda games. I've never actually... F- oh, actually, that's a lie. I finished Link's Awakening, the best Zelda game ever, and I'm so glad that's getting a remake, and I'll probably finish that again before I finish any other Zelda game. <laughs> But, um, I mean, I, I do love Zelda games, so, like, I, I got quite far in The Wind Waker, um, that's always been on my list to, to replay and finally finish that, and um, Ocarina of Time, of course, I've started numerous times and, and gotten a few hours into and, and somehow gotten waylaid, but, you know, obviously it's a, it's a legendary game and, you know, it deserves that, that status. I mean, it, Zelda, it, it, it's a great, it's one of the greatest, game series of of all time you know it's that's why people get so excited when there is something like this you know i I remember seeing there was some sort of rumor a few months back in regards to an xl and i remember speculation at the time on some people saying would it be like a kind of quick turnover direct follow-up to breath of the wild you know with with uh kind of similar to majora's mask to ocarina of time but other people kind of shot that idea down because pointing out that obviously Breath of the Wild was a game that was developed as a a Wii U game first and then ported to the Switch and, and sort of improved somewhat. You know, so it wasn't a game made for the ground up for the Switch. You know, similar to how Mario Odyssey was originally being developed as a Wii U game. 
So it, it'll be, I, I think it'll take a little time for this Zelda game to, to come out. And I think when it does come out, you know, I'd, I'd boldly say, I think it'll be a, a decent leap on Breath of the Wild, despite the strides that that game made in, in bringing the series to, to open world. I mean, the other interesting thing for me, which uh, I don't know if you've noticed this trend in, in recent years, Guy, but it, it seems like Nintendo are more open to working with kind of second parties studios as as people tend to label them in in regards to their their um their first party IPs you know obviously we have in more recent years Bando Namkai have been developing Smash Brothers and now you, you know you have Monolith working side by side with Nintendo on on the last three Zelda games and and seemingly on this this next uh, Zelda game so it's 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 interesting how they've kind of opened up their library to to second party yeah that is that's quite an interesting point I hadn't really noticed that myself and obviously Nintendo and Xbox getting um, this kind of a spoiler for a latest news story but Xbox and Nintendo getting quite a close relationship now and um, we're seeing certain Xbox exclusives go go on to Switch Nothing in the opposite direction just yet, but Nintendo aren't like that. <laughs> we we know this, but may, maybe in time they'll soften up and give us like um, Pokemon Red or something. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it's, it's strange. I mean, maybe Nintendo just just think what's best for the um, for the franchises. And uh, it, as we mentioned earlier, Breath of the Wild was a raging success, and. I mean, why why would you change it if Monolith have done such a good job of it? I suppose. Exactly. I mean, it, it's not like they're they're being negligent in in opening the gates up. I mean, we're 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 long from the days of the the Philips CDI Zelda games that Nintendo have buried deep, you know, in in the graveyard. Um, like they they they'll only lend it to, to studios that they'll only allow studios in that, that they trust and respect. Mm. I mean, obviously Monolith have a history of, of like kind of making the, the Xenoblade games for Nintendo um, consoles. And, and obviously Bandai, Bandai Namco had a great pedigree with fighting games. So I think they definitely pay their due diligence when it comes to, to kind of making kind of partnerships with these companies to produce these titles so i, I don't think we're ever going to come to a day where it's just open field day you know come in take this ip and make your own mario or yoshi game whatever you want to do you know we're we're never going to see that but it, it is interesting that they're they're kind of borrowing talents from from external sources to to make new games in their their um traditional ips and you know if, if going on the quality of games like breath of the wild and smash bros long may it continue you know if there's a studio out there that can can make a better mario game than the nintendo then give them a fair whack it's, you know that, that, that'd be my attitude towards it yeah absolutely absolutely and and the fact that switch has had so much success with, with the games we mentioned and uh, adding them um, smash bros as well i've actually played that one <laughs> so i can comment on something um yeah it's um it, it's just it's just clever and, and well it's just common sense by nintendo really isn't it and um they're just reaping the benefits of it it's obviously they're they're in the one of our later news stories as well it's just 
they just seem to be building on the success of, be, of being in their own niche and pretty much untouchable in the in the handheld gaming market and uh, obviously can be a console as well. Uh, whether how we try and make a phone a console, that's not going to work. Um, and if anyone else wants to come in the handheld um, gaming market, Nintendo's always going to be king for, for that reason. And that's a perfect segue to our next story here guys and i'm glad you you lined that up for us uh speaking of nintendo kind of asserting their dominance in the handheld market uh our third story is two new nintendo switch models inspired by 3ds's split evolution sources say and this comes from again tom phillips over at eurogamer and tom writes yesterday a wall street journal report tipped not one but two new nintendo switch models for launch quote, as early as this summer, end quote. The upcoming models will represent both a cut price version of the existing Switch console and one with, quote, enhanced features targeted at avid video gamers, end quote, the report concluded. Speaking to Eurogamer, sources close to Nintendo have confirmed that the report backs up what they have heard too. In principle, Nintendo is hoping to cater to the same two audiences it eventually evolved 3DS to serve with 2DS and new 3DS XL. On the cheaper option, first yesterday's report suggested it would be aimed at casual gamers currently still using Nintendo's 3DS. The company is keen to move these players over to Switch, many of them Nintendo's youngest fans who have been bought cheaper versions of the 3DS. But rather than comparing it to a 3DS, Nintendo is, I'm told, keen to recapture the 2DS value proposition. Similar to 2DS, the unit's design will be sturdier than the current Switch model in order to be, quote, kid-proof, end quote. Costs will be driven down by the removal of several features. Yesterday's report mentioned the system's rumble would be cut to save costs although it was unclear if this referred to the Switch's unique and more expensive HD rumble or any kind of vibration feature at all. But an even bigger change appears to be on the cards, as several people familiar with Nintendo's current plans have told me the company has designed its budget Switch for an audience which uses it in handheld mode only. Will you still be able to connect this new budget Switch to a screen, even if via some kind of additional peripheral? It feels a huge switch from the console's MO. Its name even to drop the docking feature, but it's a change of the same magnitude we have seen Nintendo explore before. With 2DS, Nintendo ripped out the 3DS's title feature to drive down price, and there was no workaround for that. As for the new souped-up Switch, the one for, quote, avid video gamers, end quote, yesterday's report mentioned it would not be getting beefed up to the specs of either the PlayStation 4 Pro or Xbox One X, which shouldn't come as much of a surprise. I've heard the bump will be comparable to the one received by the 3DS upon its new 3DS relaunch. And finally, there's no suggestion this model might remove the TV screen docking. Nintendo planning two new Switch models may feel a surprise, but this is the company simply heading down the same two paths it took with 3DS, albeit at the same time. As Nintendo gears up for a big year of first-party software launches, Animal Crossing, Zelda Link's Awakening, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Luigi's Mansion 3, it makes sense to cater for the broadest audience as possible, soon as possible. When contacted, a Nintendo spokesperson told Eurogamer, quote, we have no announcements and we do not comment on rumor and speculation, end quote. And you can read the full story over on Eurogamer. Uh, I'm 
I was somewhat surprised and, and somewhat not surprised because obviously it's it's long been rumored that there's a new Switch model coming and I mean money smart money was going on it being a handheld. Obviously we know the 3DS that it's had a very long lifespan, but it's kind of winding down. You're you're seeing less and less games coming out for it. So it was inevitable that it has to be replaced. And when a lot of people play their switches in handheld mode only it made sense to just make a handheld switch, you know, smaller, better battery life, you know, and, and no dock. I mean, it, it makes so much sense to, to, to try and get those lasting 3DS players over to, to the new switch. But as far as a souped up switch goes, I, I was a little surprised by that. I mean, they, ultimately, that's I only bought my switch a few months ago. And I, my thinking at the time was I didn't expect a a new switch because, you know, although they, of course they did do a new 3DS and I I bought the new 3DS at the time and it was, it had a couple of exclusives and then there was another couple of games that ran like garbage on the old 3DS and and needed to, to be on the new 3DS, but it wasn't a massive change per se. I mean, you, you didn't need to buy a new 3DS and Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I thought with how well the Switch was doing, they, they wouldn't really want to alienate some existing players by, by bringing up a, a souped-up model. But obviously Nintendo don't agree with my viewpoint there. I mean, what did you think, Guy, when you heard the news? Or the rumor, to, to be more exact? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the uh, trying to get the um, 3DS people over, that that's just good business, really. And it, it kind of not killing off the old generation but kind of just trying to evolve the old generation into the new and um bridging that gap between handheld and, and the switch and if they're just making a handheld version that's fair enough i mean i've I've only I've pretty much 95 percent used mine as a handheld so it makes sense really um but in terms of the souped up one I mean, if if it if it alienates people like uh, like your experience with the 3ds there um it's I think it would kind of just be a bit stupid, especially with, well, we've just mentioned the Zelda sequel. Pokemon's going to be a huge seller again. 
um, next Mario game. Um, if if they run poorly on on the original Switch, I'm sure they won't. I'm, I, they're not. I, I think the fact that the Switch is more of a console than a handheld um, thing, it, it 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 can't run like garbage nowadays. I think, although Nintendo do do it their own way, I don't think they can they could afford um, Switch Switch buyers or, or the original Switch buyers to to suffer with with a game running poorly, especially with all the big releases coming out. So. I'm not surprised by it because I think the Switch isn't that old. That's possibly the only surprise, I suppose. I mean, when is the Switch three years old? It's two years old two as years. of Jeez. this month. Yeah, so Jeez. earlier this month was its second birthday. So it's it's not been too long, and um, so I'm assuming we're going to expect these new consoles in the fall. So mm. you're talking really two and a half years and a, and a new SKU. Um, it's, it's, it seems quite sudden. Mm. As, as we've both said, I mean, the, the handheld is a no-brainer because so many people do play their Switches in, in handheld mode. And I think for, for other reasons, obviously, as the sources have alluded to, this is going to be targeted at younger gamers. And, you know, I, I've uh, while I don't have any children in my house putting their sticky hands up from a switch and throwing it about the place you know i've heard stories of you know kind of how flimsy the the clippings for the the joy cons and that can be and i mean experts have speculated that this new handheld smaller switch the joy cons won't be removable and you know it'll be a little sturdier and then i think that makes a lot more sense for a younger audience i mean the i don't know if you've ever played a 2ds guy but i mean there it's an ugly handheld console but it's it's like it's like a tank you know like the, the, the damage you can do to mm. those things i mean my nephew got one when he was younger and i mean i i thought it was brilliant for a kid of his age because they're so sturdy and you know they when they throw them about the place and and that like they they just they just keep on working and that's i think that's that's often been a kind of a thing Nintendo have aimed for with their their handhelds from from the early days of the the original uh Game Boy you know obviously that famous Game Boy that that survived a, a war and and then you have like the the talk when the the original DS came out that like there was a stipulation that it had to be the clamshell had to be dropped from certain heights without getting damaged before Nintendo would accept like kind of the, the model to release oh. it. So that's always been an aim of theirs because they know they, they kind of gear towards a, a younger audience often. So like, as I said, that, that handheld switch is, it's a no brainer and I'm sure it will sell really well and, and help kind of reinvigorate sales of the console. But the, the souped up one, it, it just seems strange to me. I mean, I've already heard that experts, you know, somewhat speculation, somewhat based on their sources on, on what it's going to feature talk is there's going to be a new screen a better screen i've never really been one for kind of um being getting too much into screens for example being the vita obviously the original vita featured an oled screen the re-release had an lcd screen and a lot of purists say that the lcd screen is inferior to the oled screen i have an lcd screen on, on mine and i think it looks beautiful similarly 
I opted for an X, an iPhone XOR over the XS, despite the XS having a better screen, because you know I wanted to save a couple hundred quid. I mean, I, I'm I'm not really one for screens. I know there are some purists when it comes to, to screens. I mean, they they have to have this spec and that spec, and or else it's it's not good enough. So I'm sure for those people, they're they're gonna like getting a better clearer screen on their switch but that's not a feature that that interests me i'm sure battery life is, is going to be another feature just like with the handheld i don't think the souped up switch will have quite the battery life of the handheld switch for obvious reasons because that's that's not what it's designed for but i'm sure it'll definitely squeeze an hour or two on the the current switch and then obviously as it said like a, a 3ds to new 3ds level up spec you know as as i touched on previously there were two oh, i think i'm only aware of two new 3ds exclusives the original being xenoblade chronicles which was a launch game which was a port of a wii game and required that the new 3ds to, to work um and then later there was fire emblem warriors and i think the only reason fire emblem warriors was an exclusive because nintendo did make one mistake in that hyrule warriors when released for 3ds ran like hot garbage and there was a lot of criticism lobbied at nintendo for running a game that was uh, releasing a game that did not run properly on the original uh, 3ds and and required the new 3ds which is why obviously the follow-up fire emblem warriors was made an exclusive for that that title so they wouldn't have the same problem but i i don't see as you said you know Anyone who's out there worrying that this new Zelda game we discussed earlier, the next Mario, that they're going to need a souped-up Switch to get the best version of those games, I don't expect that at all. I think every first-party Nintendo game will work perfectly on... Like, it will be specced for all three versions of the Switch. You know, even the handheld version, it'll work fine. I mean, if there's a tiny difference between the handheld and the, the other two, I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't think it'll be anything much noticeable. Similarly, if, if you're someone who's running your indie games like on your Switch, that, that's what you're using your Switch for. Again, I think indie games are going to be spec'd for all three models, so there's not a, a worry there. The one thing where I think you might see a difference will be with ports of third-party titles from ps4 and xbox one and later obviously the the next generation consoles you know obviously we've seen things like doom and wolfenstein come to the switch already but doom only works 30 frames per second maybe on the new switch it could run like 45 frames per second as as people have have pointed out that those kind of little incremental kind of upgrades make sense to me i think if the main joy where you're going to see from the new switch in in terms of games is probably going to be with third-party ports yeah that's an interesting show i mean doom is well i've 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 played a, a a little bit of the uh, first one, obviously Eternal coming out to Switch as well. Uh, it's such a well-made and beautiful game, and the fact that it can only run on thirty. I mean, you make a good point that like it could um, kind of be somewhere in the middle ground of thirty and sixty. Um, it it that that I think that's probably the only only um, difference you could see, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I I agree with you there, but. Uh, <laughs> maybe Doom's a weird. I'm not sure what what other ones are coming out. I mean, Wolfenstein Doom. Maybe it's just a Bethesda problem. <laughs> but um, there'll obviously be bigger games with with um, obviously Skyrim's out for Switch and stuff like that. Whatever Bethesda 
I think that's probably a Bethesda problem just by going the games. I could think of that, that a third party coming out for us. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you've said there. Yeah, no, you you do make a, a good, but like we we do see third party support, but it's it's more direct switch support rather than kind of there hasn't been as many ports. And obviously Bethesda's success stories with it, you know, obviously are inspiring more. As we said earlier, Gearbox are bringing Bulletstorm to Switch. So we might see more things like that. But um, it is, the difficulty for me is some might argue, oh, if there's a new spec'd up Switch, it might make it easier for third parties to port their games to Switch. But it's it's not like, it's not going to be worth their while to be like, oh, we're releasing call of duty x on switch but you can only play it on the switch pro or whatever it's going to be called let's just call it switch pro for the moment um because that then you're alienating the the millions and millions of people who already own switches and they can't run that game and it's just not worth their while really porting a game to a skew of a system and and it which only a small section of that system's users have that skew, you know? Like, I mean, let, let's say Ballpark Switch has 80 million lifetime sales. And that might be a little ambitious, but let's just say, and only about 15 million of those are, are pro switches. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't seem worthwhile. So it'll be interesting to see what really happens there. But I think that's where you will see the main benefit of the 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 power enhancement will be when it comes to third party titles because Nintendo and indie developers won't want to alienate the the players that have made us the Switch a success so far, which have largely been people playing those kind of games. So uh, I wouldn't be too too concerned there. I don't think this console will be a a must buy for for Switch players. Um, but moving on to um, away from Nintendo for the moment. Um, and we have our next story is PlayStation's state of play revealed. And this was written up by myself. Uh, Sony announced a new video series in a post from Sid Schumann on the PlayStation blog last week with the first episode having aired on Monday. Quote, state of play will give you updates and announcements from the world of PlayStation. Our first episode will showcase upcoming PS4 and PSVR software, including new trailers, new game announcements and new gameplay footage. End quote. Highlights from the debut show included Iron Man Virtual Reality, a PlayStation VR title from Republic developers Camouflage, a VR mode for Hello Games No Man's Sky, a new trailer for the upcoming Days Gone, due out on April 26th, and Five Nights at Freddy's VR Help Wanted, uh, which is also coming to Oculus and Vive, I believe. Um, so, yeah, state of play. I mean, the actual first show, not quite newsworthy in, in my mind. If You know, definitely it's it's worth some criticism, uh, both, both positive and, and negative, but more the reason I thought this was newsworthy, guys, the actual idea of this state of play of, of PlayStation bringing out these incremental video updates, you know, similar to Nintendo Directs throughout the year. Obviously, we've seen PlayStation, they, they didn't do PSX last year. They've pulled out of E3 this year. They're not going to have much stage presence. But, you know, as the PlayStation 4's life cycle is winding down is this new kind of video series kind of a new way for for playstation to keep their their players updated 
Yeah, I think I think it is really, especially with them uh, pulling out of play, uh, PSX and uh, E3, as you mentioned. It's, I think it's just an easy way, if if there is news to break, and I'm sure they'll do it on a bigger stage, say if it's, um, oh my god, what's the name? What is the name of the big game coming out? E3. Oh, the, oh you mean um, Last of Us? Yes, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. Yeah. We're doing this on the morning. I'm not you. I'm not awake yet, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. But yeah, I imagine they'll want a bigger stage say, if they release Last of Us, but with, with um, VR releases and and days gone, even though it looked better than we thought, still not getting any anywhere near the hype that a usual PlayStation exclusive does, does it? But um, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's just something that that we see um, all the gaming companies do. I think Xbox obviously have inside Xbox. I know this isn't the same, and uh, we'll talk about another one in a sec. Um, and Nintendo Direct, and I think they have a, uh, another one as well. So I think it's I think it's just an easy way to keep connected with the the, the fan base and uh, players and and so on, and and just just keep people in the loop because I think that's what people want. I think as long as you're telling them there is stuff happening, I think people will be fine with that. You just kind of don't want that big gap in the summer because, I mean, as an Xbox fan, I'm I'm waiting for E3 for all the big news, I suppose, whereas with PlayStation, you'd probably be waiting for, what, the Game Awards if there wasn't these these um updates. So that would be a long, long-ass gap there. So I think this is just clever on PlayStation's part. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, and and I think, you know, in, in regards to this first one, you know, some people were left disappointed. I mean, I didn't find too much in it for myself, but I mean, they wanted to do what they they set out to do, which, you know, as as outlined, they said it was going to be PSVR was 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 name dropped, and I think like PSVR users, you know, some some people had been disappointed that there hadn't been much announced recently for them, and and. Some even would go as far as speculating, oh, maybe have they given up on VR? So I think it was good for those users. You know, they're, they're, they also announced around the same time, I think there's like 4.2 million people uh, VR sold so far. So I mean, that's that's not a number to scoff at. And, you know, obviously those people want games. And, you know, so announcing things like Iron Man VR, which uh, I don't know, did you did you manage to see that that trailer yet? A little bit little bit just the uh, odd bits and pieces on twitter i didn't i haven't seen it all though putting on my my comic book fan hat and marvel fan hat i, I wasn't too impressed i mean you know the the voice acting for both tony stark and friday you know d- didn't really do it for me and you know the the game in terms of the gameplay it, it seems very much like an on rails kind of shooter experience it's, it's not something really that i'd be jumping to play but but that said we we don't know kind of where it is positioned with the thing with vr is there's kind of this variance of games there's like kind of your 40 quid full price games but there's also like your 10 quid experiences so maybe this could be one of those or somewhere in between and, and then it's it's not so bad for for what it is um, but it's still interesting that that Sony have picked up yet another exclusive from from Marvel Games. You know, it doesn't seem this game will be coming to either uh, Oculus or Rift. So that that's that's a win for for PSVR. Um, obviously, other things they a VR mode for Hello Games No Man's Sky, which seems like a no brainer to me for the kind of game it is. That it's a first person exploration game. Putting it in VR makes makes a lot of sense. Um, Again, Five Nights at Freddy's VR, Help Wanted. Obviously, that's not an exclusive, 
but it's it's good for that such a notable game series although i've never seen the attraction is is coming to, to psvr and there, there was obviously that that other game the name escapes me um but a lot of people have been hyped about a kind of an action vr game that that's uh, got a release date there for may so there's plenty for the vr people to bite on and for non-vr people obviously new trailer for days gone um you know to remind us the game's coming out in less than a month and obviously there was also strangely there was the crash uh, team racing trailer which was supposed to reveal new features that are exclusive to the the ps4 version but then i went away from the trailer saying what the hell are the features and had to read afterwards that apparently it was it was some tracks and that so including some tracks from the uh, spiritual successor that i I know you were a, a Nitro Kart that you you were a fan of, guys. So that that might be oh, yeah. a little bit of a blast from the past for you. So, I mean, so it wasn't the most exciting of shows, but the bar has been set low, and that means the bar can rise and fall as as time goes on. And I think, like, you know, Nintendo Directs aren't fluid; like, they're not always the same thing. You know, you do get to maybe a couple of year that are blowouts of new titles and they're so exciting but you get others that are like the nindies directs that are just focused on indie titles you have others that might focus on one single game that's coming out that they want to hype up features like we got a full one on smash bros at one point like they they can be different things and i i think this this state of play has a, a similar kind of potential for fluidity um, and obviously the, the thing we're going to be speculating on is, is will we see a bumped up state of play in June, you know, instead of E3, similar to what Nintendo do with their directs, where we might see kind of extended trailers for The Last of Us, Ghost mm. of Tsushima. Um, no, I'm the one forgetting uh, Kojima's game. Death Stranding. Death, Death yes. Stranding. Yeah. Because like, we, we, uh, we know Guy wants another Death Stranding trailer. Oh, and more yeah. walking around cliffs. That He just loves it. So, all, all I mean, the celebs cameos. <laughs> yeah. More celebrities, exactly. But like, who's this chick? And then we're Googling. It's like, oh, she's in that show that everyone loves. You know, so um, that that's, that's, you know... But we look at like the E3 for Sony last year and, and the kind of stick it got that, you know, focusing on the big games and having these little kind of cutting to this this little panel to be like, oh, here's some Call of Duty map packs <laughs> and things like that. And there was a lot of criticism lobbied at it. And I'd agree it was probably the worst E3 for, for Sony in a while. But I think something like that would, would lend itself to this state of play thing where you could have like, two or three big trailers for for first party games and then sprinkle in a little bit of third party and vr and indie in between and you know just just going from game to game to game which this state of play thing seemed to do in its first iteration i i think that would work quite well as an e3 mm. substitute in, in june what do you reckon guy yeah that's a good shout really i mean as you mentioned that was the criticism of the last e3 i mean playstation's the king of e3 usually but la- last year's it was just weird pretty much having an ad break in your own thing it was like okay you kind of went from a low after last of us and then kind of had to other great trailers and then you're like okay stop boring me now <laughs> um but yeah it's i think it is a clever way i mean i think that's kind of what we saw seeing xbox do on the last e3 if i remember correctly just kind of showed loads of games in a row with with minimal 
shit in between. And I think th this is a better format to do so. And if you can't be asked hiring out a stage at Los Angeles or where, wherever, or Las Vegas, wherever it is, it, it just makes sense to just do it as a do it as a big stream. I mean, it, it'll it's not going to exactly suffer from viewership, but I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it's Sony don't have huge amounts to announce i imagine we've not that we've nothing that we've not seen already with the last of us and ghost of tsushima and walking simulator um it, it's just um i think it's a clever thing to do with it with the little high hitters from the big events they'll be doing no certainly i mean the the way i remember when nintendo first announced they were leaving e3 i was, I was quite bummed about that um but honestly i really enjoyed the the directs for the most part and you know i think that's a nice substitute and you know there's a part of me that wonders like if all the companies abandoned e3 doing press conferences and simply kind of did these nintendo direct type things you know it'd be a lot more succinct i mean we've seen square enix do something similar last year instead of a, a press conference they had like a pre-recorded you know just show reel of different games and although it wasn't well put together. I did. I did like the idea. So it would be interesting if that could be the future. I mean, I, I still like the 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 press conferences, and but you could still see like Sony and and Microsoft maybe do their own, you know, kind of PSX or an Xbox equivalent like each year, and then just for at E3 time, as E3 seems to be moving towards being more consumer, they show that that you could just have these these kind of video pieces kind of released around E3 time. And I mean, I know Konami actually, you know, a, bit, a lot of people not Konami, but Konami, let, let's not forget, done this a long time ago. Uh, they, they did Nintendo Directs before Nintendo did Nintendo Directs because Konami's original press conferences were some of the worst press conferences you will ever see. I mean, I, I recommend watching them just for comedic value. But... <laughs> when they stepped away from that and started doing their own kind of direct type things where they just released these 40 minute videos the day before E3, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then they got through a lot. They'd, they'd speak to Kojima. They'd, they'd do things about Silent Hill. It was brilliant. Like it was, they, they really were the forerunners for this kind of thing. And I mean, it, it's, it's obviously, unfortunately now they they don't make games anymore not real games anyway but nonetheless has, you know they just they has just, on its own <laughs> that's it and even then they've sold all their licenses to, to fifa and things like that so um it but nonetheless they deserve some credit for for setting this trend and i think if this is a trend we we continue to see expand i mean it, it i i I don't know, but it can be a lot better than some of the filler you sometimes get in press conferences. I mean, press conferences can can be hit and miss, which is, I mean, particularly with EA, I'm I'm so glad they're not doing a press conference this year because I force myself to watch it every year, and every year it disappoints me without fail. Yeah, I mean, uh, well. That fucking phone game, man. <laughs> oh, that Command and Conquer phone game was the last straw, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that was garbage. And uh, I mean, I know they kind of pulled it back a little bit later by announcing that they were working with some of the original people behind Command and Conquer to do kind of remasters of all the classic <laughs> Command and Conquer games. But they'd, they'd already put a bullet in the head of that series with, with that, that game. So, uh, I mean... Yeah. But it will be interesting this E3 because we're, we're going to have this stark contrast. On the, on the one hand, you still have Bethesda, surprisingly, 
Ubisoft, who announced their date only this week, and Microsoft doing stage shows. And then meanwhile, you're going to have a direct from Nintendo. Speculatively, we're going to say you're going to have a state of play from Sony. And obviously, you're going to have little things from like Devolver Digital, bizarre things that they Mm do. So you're going to have that mix. And it's going to be like, well, you're going to have a quite a contrast there and which does it better is it going to be nintendo and sony with their videos or is it going to be microsoft and ubisoft with their like their um stream service th- thing stream like their their press conferences mm-hmm. and interestingly as well i wonder what are EA going to do are they going to make an appearance at, at microsoft or during sony's mm. video thing or that well, or EA have kind of split it already because they're doing the releasing star wars on the 13th not releasing but um they're, they're giving out more details on the 13th at a star wars event i believe yeah, uh, this month, and then obviously Battlefield's normally on the Xbox stage, if I remember correctly. And outside of that, it, it, um, what else is there? Bioware's well, not really going to have anything. FIFA yeah. and Madden, I suppose. But mm. I think with, with FIFA and Madden, you could just see just videos released on YouTube. Like the the things they do for FIFA and Madden every year at at E three, and you just, you don't don't even know why they're there. You could just the, release the them <laughs> as videos on YouTube and on the EA mm. site, you know, mm. and push them on social media. I, I, I don't think they really need a a big big push to be honest. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think EA needs much of a, a kind of a, a presence to be to be fair. But yeah, um, it, it will be interesting. Obviously, I'm sure we're we're in we're about to enter April, so we're only going to be about two months away from E3. So I'm sure over the couple Ooh. of months, every week we're going to have some some E3 speculation or, or news to, to talk about. Um, so I'm I'm sure we'll we'll leave further speculation on on E3 till then. Uh, so our next story, we're back to our good friends at Nintendo. Cuphead for Nintendo Switch announced, release date confirmed. And this comes from IGN, it's written by Jonathan Dornbush. And Jonathan writes, Nintendo announced during its Nindy showcase for GDC 2019 that former Xbox One console exclusive Cuphead is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Cuphead will be available for the Switch on April 18th and is currently available for pre-purchase. Nintendo specifically thanked Studio MDHR and Microsoft for allowing it to come to Nintendo's console. Cuphead's reveal opened the Nindy showcase with an amusing old-fashioned tutorial regarding milk before highlighting the frantic gameplay of Studio MDHR's platform shooter. Cuphead was mentioned in a multi-part rumor suggesting Xbox One games as well as Xbox Game Pass could be making their way to Nintendo Switch. At E3 2018, Studio MDHR confirmed Cuphead The Delicious Last Course, an expansion that would introduce a new third playable character, as well as a new aisle, bosses, and more. And you can read the full story over on IGN. So, yeah, I mean, that that rumor, and I I mean, it it felt like more than a rumor that Xbox games and, and Game Pass and that could be coming to Switch. Um, you know, there were so many people citing their sources on it that it, it, it felt like an inevitability. But, I mean, it, it's still fun to, to see that Cuphead is, is finally coming and that it is the f- first game. Because I think it's the game of all kind of the Xbox One exclusives. I mean, it's the game that seems most at home on Nintendo Switch, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. It looks like the perfect exclusive for um for the Switch to uh, for the Xbox to put on the Switch. Um, yeah, I think it just perfectly suits. And if I'm honest, if I I might 
actually pick it up on Switch rather than Xbox because I think if I if I turn on the Xbox I'm going to play a big game and this is not like me shitting on um, indie games or anything like that because I used to love indie games back in the day but if it, nowadays I'll probably put on the AAA title rather than an indie game apart from well it's Stardew Valley an indie game <laughs> it back, is back yeah. in the day <laughs> back in the day I'd, I'd play that for hours on end um but yeah, I mean, Switch for me—it's the perfect home for these type of indie games, and that—that's probably where I'd pick it up rather than on, um, rather than on Xbox. So, it—it—it's strange news because I think one of the criticisms of Xbox is kind of that all of its exclusives are on PC, and now some of them are going to go on Switch and so on. It kind of makes the Xbox questionable why you'd buy it. But I mean, only time will tell if they if they want to spread. Xbox Live round as what like an operating service or whatever you'd call it. Um, fair enough. It 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 is very different to the to the usual PlayStation format, but they're not going to win. Um, they're not going to catch up to PlayStation, I suppose. So might as well try something different. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Xbox have been quite open in their kind of hopes to get Xbox everywhere. I mean, and I think when you look to the rumors about where the future, the next generation Xbox is going with kind of being a, largely based on a streaming service, uh, hint, hint to a, a, a story we're going to get to soon. Um you know, it makes a lot of sense to, to go to a Switch if, if Nintendo were kind of opening the doors there. And, you know, although it's not going to be possible to get every Xbox exclusive onto Switch, I mean, I, I couldn't see Gears of War 4 or mm. Halo 5 being on Switch. There are some games that could make sense. I mean, if you could see a slightly watered down version of Sea of Thieves on Switch, I think that would be a game that would find itself quite ho- at home on the Switch. And um, there, there's obviously some... some smaller titles that that could definitely come to switch um not that anyone is is really scratching at the door to get lucky's tail on on their switch but nonetheless um i mean and and it's not just the games it's it's the service the idea that xbox live in some form could be coming to switch i mean i think it's already confirmed that cuphead will have um trophy or not trophies rather achievements uh so like you'll be signing into Xbox Live on certain games on your Switch. I mean, you, you'll be signing into two accounts at once. Obviously, we've seen that in a form in, in kind of uh, Fortnite. You sign into your Epic account as well. Mm. Um, so it, it's not unheard of, but it, it does seem strange given that it's a, a separate platform. But, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, this, this just seems like a taster to me for what we're going to see. And I'm sure there'll be a bit of a blowout at E3, you know, kind of with Nintendo and announcing kind of different xbox things coming from you know i wouldn't be surprised i i didn't really look at the day i usually microsoft at first so i could see microsoft announcing some things during their e3 press conference and then nintendo in their direct being like oh do you see these two things that were microsoft they're coming to switch as well you know so we, we could see things like that uh it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all like so it will be interesting to see uh, kind of what Microsoft and Nintendo have in, in store for us with this new partnership. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of hinted at it earlier. I mean, it, I wonder if Nintendo will be returning the favour in any way, sending some stuff to Microsoft, but I really doubt it with the way... Probably Nintendo, not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably get like... Uh, what What's the worst Nintendo exclusive? Hmm. 
I just uh, it doesn't even even then I just I just cannot see it happening. Yeah. You know, I mean even like some of the lower selling like Metroid or or something like that. Um, maybe like throwing them a bone. Maybe something like Bayonetta three, possibly. Mm, but I I, I just because that obviously Nintendo are publishing that. But even then, it's 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 difficult to see. Um, but I I think like it it benefits. Microsoft, especially if Xbox Game Pass comes, and obviously, you know, they're they're getting money from that. I'm sure they have to pay Nintendo something of it. I'm not sure exactly how it works. We're not here to discuss business, but it's obviously going to benefit both. So, and it, it's not like this is a one-sided deal in in any sense yeah. of the of the term. Um, but all we, all we can do is wait and see. I, I do think there'll be a bit of a, a blowout on this at E3 in, in some form with the, you know, kind of one nodding to the other type thing. Um, mm. But we'll just have to wait and see on that one. And continuing with Indies and Microsoft, our next story, Microsoft debut ID at Xbox Game Pass. And again, this was written up by myself. Microsoft joined Sony in debuting a new video series this week with the first ID at Xbox Game Pass airing on Tuesday. The series appears to be Xbox's answers to the Nindie showcase with the focus placed on indie titles which will come to Xbox Game Pass. As per the Xbox News site, quote, we are excited to announce ID at Xbox Game Pass, a stream highlighting the great indie games coming soon to Xbox Game Pass, premiering March 26th at 9 a.m. Pacific. In this show, you can expect to learn more about some of the hottest ID at Xbox titles coming to Xbox Game Pass with new reveals, gameplay, highlights, and conversations with the developers, end quote. Highlights from the debut show include the announcement of Killer Queen Black for Xbox One, as well as its day of release inclusion on Game Pass, as well as that oxen-free developer Night School Studios' next title, After Party, will be included in Game Pass upon its release. It's nice to see Microsoft highlighting kind of indie titles more. I mean, in in previous years, they've been criticized how they do like these sizzle reels during E3, but you never really get to see, the the games never get properly highlighted. We never get to see what they're called most of the time. Mm. You know, it's just clip, 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 clip. And, you know, you're like, that game looked cool, but I have no idea what it is and probably never see it again. But so it looks good that they're they're giving an actual highlight that they know how important indie games are. They've probably seen how the kind of stage that Nintendo have offered them. Sony have always been very good to to highlighting their their indie titles. I mean, but Microsoft having been the forerunner for indies with with Xbox Live Arcade, it, it's nice to see that they're giving them a bigger platform. And you know, the the two games I highlighted there. Killer Queen Black, obviously a, a really big arcade title that was previously announced for Switch. Cool that it's coming to Xbox One as well and that it's on Game Pass. So if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you, you'll get that one for free, subject to your subscription, of course. And I mean, Oxen Free, I never played Oxen Free, but I've After Party has gotten a lot of, that's the one indie title that Microsoft have pushed a lot since its announcement. And it's, you know, I don't know if you've seen that one guy, but but basically you're, you're two college students that end up in hell and find out they can get out of hell if they can out drink the devil. I mean, <laughs> sounds like a good time to me. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's cool that that, that one's in, in Game Pass as well. And, you know, it's, you know, as we, we, I mean, we're beating a dead horse there and that we've already talked about a lot, but it's good that these companies kind of are, are giving 
an importance to to kind of giving more regular updates to what's coming to their platforms and you know letting us know what what games there are to to look out for and having that constant presence rather than being centered totally around like one or two shows a year yeah i think i think this is a good move um i think the fact that obviously Xbox One's not done well at all, really, and it's just kind of it's kind of been a beta for the next gen, I suppose, especially in the later later years and since Phil Spencer's took over. But I think the success of the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, because it was actually a success compared to Xbox One, it was a huge success. I mean, the um, indie games on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty were a huge part of my playing experience, and I'm sure it was a big part of the success of it. Um, so I think this I think this is a welcome return to that, and, and uh, as you mentioned, E three kind just does highlight reels. And there's uh, last year I think they did one called Tunic. It kind of it, it looks like Fox version of um, Zelda, which I, I I've I've been kind of keeping up to date with that. It's very scar. Um, it doesn't look like there's been much details of probably the next E three they'll release something on that. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a welcome return to things that made the Xbox three sixty. A success so hopefully they can build on that and it'll be something i'll watch because just getting the odd indie title you always get that odd gem that's just stuck in the memory and uh, if any of my mates are listening r.i.p minor dig deep the best game ever made <laughs> r.i.p indeed no i'd i'd, I'd agree exactly with, with what you said it, it's just it, it's a good way of keeping up on these i'm i mean i've been kind of the opposite of course i played some indie titles back in the xbox 360 days but i play a lot more these days because i find indie titles fit in better mm. we're kind of having less time to play games to to be frank um so and as i said the, these two particular games are highly will be two I've I've been keeping an eye on and will continue to keep an eye on I mean Killer Queen back seems like it'd be a great game to play with your mates and, and though I'll probably be getting that on the Switch if I'm honest um, but After Party is, is something that you know I'll definitely probably download on my Xbox and then just get for free on Games Pass so I mean that's 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 a win I, I say so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of these ID at, at Xbox games because I mean it, it, if anything, at least, at the very least, it shows that we can expect a lot more indie titles to be coming to Games Pass, and I mean that's that's a great thing to have alongside with the the first party games and the odd AAA bone that gets tossed to us. So, um, happy to see Games Pass growing and growing because it's it's a great service and kind of a, a good example of of what these gaming services can be. The future of gaming, which may be the next news story, isn't. See what I did there? Professional. Uh, Look at you and your your segues. Uh, Yeah, so as guys alluded to, our next story, Google Stadia is the new streaming gaming platform from Google. And that comes from Michael McWherter over at Polygon. And Michael writes, Google announced Stadia, a new cloud-based gaming platform at its GDC 2019 keynote Tuesday morning. It's a major move for Google into the video game business, which is increasingly building towards streaming as a solution. Stadia is not a dedicated console or set-top box. The platform will be accessible over the internet on a variety of platforms, browsers, computers, TVs, and mobile devices. In an on-stage demonstration of Stadia, Google showed someone playing a game on a Chromebook, then playing it on an on a phone, then immediately playing it on PC, picking up where the game left off in real time. 
Stadia can stream games in 60 frames per second with HDR and 4K resolution, said Google's Madge Backer. In the future, Backer said Stadia will receive resolutions up to 8K and frame rates up to 120 frames per second. Google showed AAA games like Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Odyssey and id Software's Doom Eternal running on Stadia. Google will have a hardware component. However, the Stadia controller, it's a traditional-looking gamepad with dual analog joysticks, four face buttons, and shoulder buttons. The controller will connect to the cloud via Wi-Fi and includes a share button to connect to YouTube and a Google Assistant button. Stadia will be powered by Google's worldwide data centers, which will live in more than 200 countries and territories, streamed over hundreds of millions of miles of fiber octave cable, Pichai said. Executive Phil Harrison, previously at PlayStation and Xbox, now at Google, said the company will give developers access to its data centers to bring games to Stadia. Harrison said that players will be able to access and play Stadia games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey within seconds. Harrison showed a YouTube video of Odyssey featuring a play button that would offer near instant access to the game. Google CEO Sundar Pichai announced the new platform at the Game Developers Conference, saying that Google wants to build a gaming platform for everyone and break down barriers to access for high-end games. Google offered a glimpse of its new gaming initiative in 2018 with the public test of Project Stream, a technology that made it possible to stream Assassin's Creed Odyssey through its Google web browser. And you can read the full story over Polygon. So yeah, it looks like Microsoft won't be the only streaming service obviously i mean they weren't going to be anyway we know the playstation uh, now has been always been a thing and i'm sure they're going to step that up for the next gen but it seems like we we might have a new competitor in the arena so to speak and, and one who's in a great position in terms of infrastructure to to deliver such a service um i mean did did you catch the the reveal yourself going unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't fun was it um put it that way to be polite um yeah it was a bit it was a bit boring um i like the concept i like the idea of seamlessly going from youtube to game and and and, and so on and so forth but um yeah i think i think we're still a long way away from from it being that seamless to be honest obviously it'll work if you have great internet and all all that jazz but i mean even me i, I live in the northeast of england um i'm not i'm not going to picture like fiber optics not exactly uh came out last week or something like that but in terms of um, just consistency and um, connection i mean virgin media when i had that was gives you great speeds but it wouldn't work half the time and that, now i'm stuck um I think about 30 or 40 meg- megabytes per second or whatever it is. It's, yeah, I think, and that that's for me, in England, I'm sure there's other other countries that don't have as good internet and some that'll have much better and so forth. I think I think in America, like, the average internet speed's actually lower than their own demand. So I think it's just, as a concept, it's great, but in practice, I think it's still a long way off being... Um, being a success and google's not exactly one for sticking with a project if if it doesn't work instantly i'm, I'm sure there's plenty that we could think of google glass for example um yeah and well the press conference reveal thingy just kind of smacked something that 
it didn't appeal to gamers, if you get what I mean. If you want to attract gamers, you don't go on the heavy technical route, I suppose. And that, that's what they did. I think it was they were trying to get it for developers, which is obviously great, and you need developers on side. But for people watching, I was sat there like, I don't care. <laughs> Just show me something it does. And showing what it felt like two seconds of Assassin's Creed and all that jazz, it just felt horrendously boring and um we we've seen we've seen this this idea before and um not work before and obviously google's one of the biggest companies in the world if not the biggest company in the world if anyone can do it it'll be them but yeah every everything just smacked of the wrong kind of feel to it if you get what i mean even the controller it just looked like an xbox and a playstation controller mashed into one um it's i just wasn't too arsed and i don't I, it could become a huge thing in gaming, but streaming services. I mean, if you're gonna play on your if you're gonna play on your computer, you're probably not gonna stream it. You're probably gonna play through Steam or um, Epic or whatever the hell the next one's gonna be or the EA one. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna stream games through your phone and stuff like that, I mean, you must be really really bored if you're on your bus or train and you're playing Assassin's Creed on your phone. And I just think. I just don't think the world's ready for it, if I'm honest. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, in terms of the show itself, it was real drawn out. I mean, it was just a lot of talking. It's it's not, I mean, it's like, it, it kind of shows that Google aren't a gaming company because they haven't gone through the years of press conferences and, and criticism that the others have had that uh, has brought them to, to where they are now in, in terms of knowing how to deliver a message. I mean, when they had so little in terms of games to show and they didn't really have details even into how exactly it's going to work in terms of pricing and that i mean i didn't think it needed to be that long it could have been a lot shorter and they could have then just done more of a blowout in in the summer when they're apparently going to have more details um in terms of the actual product itself like you i think the idea is brilliant i mean like but let's say that they're not reinventing the wheel here like as you alluded to we've had things like this before you know obviously there's playstation now already exists um, and then on live, like I actually used on live back in the day to, to kind of test out some some games. And although I had like a three or four megabit per second connection at the time and the games would lag like hell and it didn't really work out well. Um, it was it was cool to be able to play these. You could play like demos, stream demos of the games. And, and that's what I did. And it was fun to be able to try different games. Um, I liked the idea from from that moment on, but it didn't really work well. And although now I'm in the fortunate position where, I mean, I have a 200 megabytes connection at the moment. I recently actually upgraded to 500. So I'll be getting 500 megabytes as of the next time our bill comes through. So, you know, I can well use if i want to use stadia as like my primary gaming platform i can because i have that internet speed you know i could pick up a, a chromecast and the controller and play it on my tv or play it on my laptop or you know or my phone if i was so inclined but you know that's i'm in that that uh, kind of position of of having that choice but a lot of people aren't i mean ireland i think we're in like the top three worldwide for average broadband speeds and i mean that's 
misleading in itself because that's largely based on the cities and like and particularly Dublin because you know over a quarter of the country's population live in kind of the the Dublin area you know and and that's where they can enjoy the speeds like what I have but people outside of Dublin some of them still don't have fiber optics some have only recently gotten I mean a, a, a a girl in my work was recently put in our WhatsApp group that she was excited because she was getting fiber optic broadband. I've had that for years, you know, so that, that kind of sums it up. And that's Ireland, a country where it has one of the highest average speeds. You, you go outside and there's a lot of countries that don't have anything like that. I mean, America even, like uh, I was listening to a podcast only yesterday and one of the, the women on there was saying that she has a thousand megabytes per, per second but most people she knows in the same city have 10 to 20 megabytes. And I think Phil Harrison said in an interview shortly after the GDC conference that in terms of the recommended speed to be able to get 4K and 1080p is 25 megabytes per second. So straight away, all mm. those people cannot play the games the way they're supposed to be played. I know a lot of people who tried out Project Stream and played Assassin's Creed Odyssey and thought it was good, but at the same time, they were saying, oh, I was probably getting 45 frames per second and 720p. That's, I mean, that, that's not the way that... Can, uh, why not just play it on your Xbox One or your PS4 mm. then, you know? I mean, I, I agree with you completely. I love the idea that the seamless transition, the thing, and for me, who's in that position that can say, I can enjoy that, I'm sure I will give it a go and I probably will enjoy it. But at the same time, for every one of me that can enjoy it, there's going to be 20 people who don't have the internet speed to be able to, to use Stadia. So I, I think um, I agree with you. It's it's probably, you know, maybe two, three years from now, you know, streaming games will be the the norm and, and that'll be, you know, what, what people do because internet speeds will be kind of improving everywhere. But for now, I think a lot of people aren't going to be able to use Stadia. And I, you know, I, I fear kind of the backlash for people who will buy into it and then suddenly find the games run terribly on their connection and, you know, the complaints that there's going to be. And, and cause then the service is probably going to get a lot of flack that it doesn't deserve because the service itself is a great idea. It's just the, the infrastructure isn't there. Yeah. That's the problem with when you're relying on, on, national infrastructures rather than just something you can do and obviously google had a once were trying to get into the uh, the fiber market with google fiber and so on and they screwed that off so it's um yeah it's just a it's just a weird one isn't it it's just i think xbox is hinting that they'll be doing going heavy at e3 with um streamed games as well which not really music to my ears um as long as they don't tell me about mega flops and all that crap, I'll be all right, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Google are that big that could probably survive having bad rep and then soldier on with it. But the gaming, the game, the market's different to everything. Once something gets a bad rep, it it, it tends to just die off quickly. Whether it's a game, a console, um a developer and so on i mean look at bioware they're, they're dying off with, with each passing game um so i think google may have only time will tell but they may have underestimated the gaming community i suppose because i mean even 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 the the people who weren't um 
Phil Ferrison was his name. Yeah. Um, everyone apart from him wasn't really a gamer. I mean, they got a couple um, developers in there, if I remember correctly. But the first guy said he wasn't a gamer. And it's like, well, th- this is just fucking grand then introducing a gaming service. <laughs> so it's... Uh, just it just felt it just felt like a a side project that they didn't really care about and thought okay it might be something to make money but if not fuck them um yeah I I'm not too bothered to be honest I mean, I mean we've I think we did that our next gen speculation one a, a good few shows ago but we we talked about streaming services being the future of gaming where. I think me and you maybe stuck in our ways. We'd prefer to just have a box in the middle of our it, it hooked up to our TV, wouldn't we? Exactly. I mean, I'm, that's always going to be my preference. So I'll play around with Google Stadia, and I, I think, I mean, they've definitely brought some of the right people on board. Obviously, Phil Harrison and and Jade Raymond is heading up their kind of internal studio. They're they're going to have some some exclusive games mm. to the platform. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what comes. But as I said, it, it's just strange because it, it seems for people like myself that have the the internet speed to run it this could be quite good, but there's a hell of a lot more people that just cannot kind of run. They're not going to have the, the recommended specs to run this service because simply mm. they don't have 25 mega, a consistent 25 megabytes per second of internet, which is what is needed. So, um, I mean, it, as you said, it, it just might be a little bit too early, but it's it certainly, I'm not going to say streaming isn't the future. I, I think it probably is, but I just think it's it's kind of a, a further future than the end of this year. But maybe Google will prove us both wrong on that, and, and only time will tell. I'm, I'm sure in and around E3 is when they're going to announce further details, and we'll see some of the games and things like that and the pricing. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say at that time as, as we react to, to kind of their their blowout on on uh, stadia but um shit it's, it's interesting well. shit name as yeah. well sounds like a car that's not a good but, sign but but no guy they, they they made this whole video on why it's a good name because <laughs> we go to stadiums to see speculative yeah you know I, i'm 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 not i'm not one of those google people i'm not, i'm not gonna try and legitimize it but um Credited them for trying. It is definitely a strange name. I've I've heard some people call it like, what's that? What's that? That's artificial sweetener, like stevia or something oh, yeah. like that. Jeez. And then there's like some sort of drug that's similar as well that people have been naming it. So people are having fun with the name. That's that's for sure. Um, but like like a lot of our stories today, as as we alluded to, that you know there was going to be a lot of speculation. I think this is another one where there's a lot of speculation on our part, and only time will tell when we get more info and and when the actual thing releases and and we see kind of how it performs, how it reviews, and and that kind of thing. So you know, I'm I'm excited to see what happens with it because I, I like, although as as Guy said, we're we're both kind of more traditional gamers. I I still I like these these kind of little experiments I mean, it sounds kind of disrespectful to call it an experiment but certainly it's it's more than that but no i i, I like that we're, we're seeing a little diversity in terms of of platforms and you know competition can always is usually a good thing so uh hopefully um kind of google and microsoft and seemingly sony will will push each other in this streaming space to to deliver the best services possible 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if it's the next step in gaming, it's so be it. But we may, we might be coming the uh, the gammon of the gaming market soon. <laughs> uh, but um, there's one more news story, but I think we're up to about an hour and a half-ish now. So, yeah, you're getting money's worth here, people. So I'll just quickly go through the games that are um, free games for both Xbox and uh, PlayStation. Um, Code and Exiles for PS Plus um, and The Surge. Um, Code and Exiles is a survival game and The Surge is Dark, Soul, Dark Souls inspired. So, yeah, if you if that's your thing. And uh, more importantly for me, Carl, um, Xbox is um, giving away Technomancer, which looks okay, um, and Outcast Second Contact, which my mate apparently enjoyed back in the day on computer. But this is where we get the good stuff here, um, Carl. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2 is the Xbox 360 game. And the Xbox original game that is free this month for April is the original Battlefront 2, which has won it. That's won it for the free games this month, I'm afraid. It really has, to, to be honest. I mean, it's it's a, it's a classic, and, and the fact it's backwards compatible and can be played online, like, I'm, I'm sure I'll be, be jumping onto that and, and having a bit of fun there because it's, it, it's just it's, it's a classic game, and I, I don't think the recent Battlefront games have, have quite recaptured the magic as yet. Yeah, that's, that's the only way you can word that politely. <laughs> uh but yeah i mean it's still the it's probably still the king of the xbox games um but of uh, the uh, star wars games i should say um but yeah carl as we finish up all, every every show um what have you been playing recently yeah so again for like the third show running because i've been playing this game a long time i'm, I'm still uh trying to play through arc twilight of the spirits the, the playstation 2 classic but i'm very close to the end now but in more interesting, because it's something different, um, alluding to some of our earlier news, I've actually been playing through Borderlands 2. I actually Ooh. completed it last night because I, I never played Borderlands 2. I played a lot of Borderlands 1, but I never played Borderlands 2. So um, I've actually been playing through that with a couple of friends lately, and, and we finished it last night, finished the story. So now I'm going to kind of um, probably dip into the DLC. And uh, I'm enjoying being back in the borderlands like as, as i said earlier it's, it seems to kind of it's very much more borderlands one but you know there's a bit more diversity to the to the regions which kind of breaks up the monotony somewhat that that was kind of a problem with borderlands one and um you know i, I enjoyed the story and you know i enjoy the crazy gun looting mayhem that is borderlands so uh, that that's what i've been playing recently how, how about yourself guy Oh, a couple of lists, I think. Um, since last uh, talked, uh, I've finished Anthem. Um, stopped playing Anthem, and I'm waiting for the extra content, which will hopefully add it to it, give it some sort of life. It, it probably won't, but yeah. I, I enjoyed Anthem more than the criticism it got. I think I, I discussed it on the last pod. Finished that. Um, got the Division 2. Uh it's a it's a much better game than the first one at, at vanilla launch, um, but it is kind of just more of the same. If you get what I mean, they've changed. It, it, it's a much better game than the one, but I don't know. It just for me, it just lacks that spark that you get in a game to make it feel like a great game. Like I'm having fun and all that stuff, but I think the fact I got fast tracked through by my mate didn't help me with that. 
um, and it kind of just it just kind of lost that, and then all I've been doing is is kind of replaying mission after mission. That's kind of what the end game is. Um, I haven't really done the Dark Zone because I don't like it. Um, but yeah, that's the two I've been. I, I I'm still on the quest to finish Witcher DLC. I think I'm nearly done, but uh, I've, that's been the time played on that's a bit more sparingly uh but i will finish the witcher eventually uh or the dlc eventually i'll finish the main campaign or the main story and all that but yeah uh, division two better than the first one better than anthem out of the two games of services that have came out but still wait still waiting on it to re to have that capturing moment that you get with great games so that's what i've been playing um sorry carl what were you gonna say oh no i was just gonna say that the I mean, I've I've heard good things from the division too. Like, I mean, I've, I've heard it, it it doesn't exactly kind of make massive strides on the first game, particularly the the first game post added content. But I've heard it's addictive and fun, is what people are saying. And I suppose when it comes to a, a games as as a service type game and that you're playing with your mates, that's kind of the two things you're you're looking for there, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah absolutely absolutely i think they've got more added content coming in in april as well which is which is good uh, so soon after release i suppose rather than waiting two or three months there's pretty much waiting one which is good and um yeah i'll, I'll probably report back on that on, on, a, few, on a few podcasts but i'm, I'm sure people with the, were interested in the division they're playing it but if, you, if you've got any thoughts um on on any games or any other news we discussed uh, contact me at one up underscore ai carl i need to add you one to that account actually <laughs> uh, keep forgetting but um yeah do do follow the account and do give us feedback and, and such on that show um uh, me and carl also did face off uh yesterday morning um just discussing football and stuff but that that if, if that's your bag check that out um but other than that thanks for listening thanks for joining me carl goodbye are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.